HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is brought to you by Fine Diners Over 40, a members-only dinner club for singles and couples who enjoy dining at highly rated restaurants and sharing the experience with others. Learn more at finedinersover40.com. That's finedinersover40.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and we are coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, February 7th, 2018. This is the 167th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a celebrity chef, a restaurateur, TV personality, cookbook author, and podcaster, and that's just one person, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Later, we will have my speed-around game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to appreciate what you have and not take things for granted. Often we get caught up in what we want and what's missing from our lives, that we can forget to appreciate what is already ours. And most of us probably already have everything we really need, if we think about it. They say you don't know what you've got until it's gone, so let's let this be a reminder. Be appreciative as the future is unknown, but the present is real. That's my tip today. Now, I'm very thrilled to have my guest calling in today from the West Coast. It is Richard Blaze, who is perhaps best known for his win on Bravo's Top Chef All-Stars. Richard is a restaurateur currently of Juniper and Ivy and fast casual fried chicken spot Crack Shack in San Diego. He is a James Beard nominated cookbook author, a TV personality from hosting several Food Network shows to being a judge on Top Chef. And most recently, he released his second cookbook, So Good, and launched his own podcast called Starving for Attention. So hello. Welcome, Richard. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I, I do wish that I was in studio with you. That's my biggest regret of the day, um, is that I'm not there eating some delicious pizza with you in Brooklyn. Yeah, I wish you were here, too, but um, this we'll make this work. And next time you're in New York City, we'll, we'll perhaps have to have some pizza together. How about that? I, I think that works. Do you see how I basically invited myself back on for another episode? <laughs> You're you're slick, I know, um, and and it worked. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's nice. Um, well, you know, we met we met many years ago, and you know, following your career has been incredible. I always like to go back at the beginning of my show to to 
my guest backgrounds and how they got into what they're doing. So maybe you want to bring us back to, uh, you know, what, what interested you in cooking and, and how you got your start as a chef. Wow. You know, origin stories uh, can be sometimes really, really long and potentially <laughs> redundant. So um, I will say that I, you know, I, I started in uh, fast food. I worked at a little restaurant called McDonald's. Um, I basically, um, you know, took, took it rung by rung and just really started grinding through our industry at, at almost every level and just fell in love with the camaraderie of the restaurant and of a kitchen staff and, you know, how that staff sort of becomes your family and how you can just basically work all day and waste away, you know, all sorts of hours with that family. So, it was really the camaraderie of the professional kitchen that sort of drove me to it um, well before I even then fell in love with the, the, the craft and the art of it, if that makes sense. That makes sense. And then, I mean, from, from Mickey D's, I call it Mickey D's, hey? Um, like, how did, yeah. did you, um, when did you decide to go to culinary school and pursue cooking as a full-time job with and and Sure, and- um, you know, it was, I forget what restaurant it was, but it was sort of a, one of these uh, very expensive corporate steakhouses. And, you know, it was the first job that I had where I was, you know, uh, cooking, you know, whole lobsters right from the tank and around ingredients that were, you know, more expensive than, you know, my weekly paycheck at the time. Um, and there were, there were chefs in those kitchens that had their names on their jacket and uh, the, they were, it was this, the green script of the Culinary Institute of America up there in Hyde Park, New York. And, uh, you know, I was just sort of, I admired these, these chefs who were working in the steakhouse. And I, at that time, didn't even know there were such things as, you know, the Harvard of culinary schools. Um, and I just kind of fell in love with then the, the real, you know, the, the grind of it and the practice of it and, and putting in the 10,000 hours or 10 years of it. Uh, and I knew that for me, going to school uh, would be a way to do that. And, and I, you know, it's not necessary for everyone who wants to be a professional chef, restaurateur in this industry. But for me, it was something that I really needed. I needed to sit in the library and, you know, think about carrots and read 12 books about carrots uh, and, 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 you know, waste away many hours just studying, you know, the history of our profession. Uh, so I, I loved culinary school. And it was just a couple of you know, green scripted chef jackets that, that, that got me into going to school. Right. And then you've, I know you've had, had experience working at the French Laundry, Danielle, some very high end restaurants, uh, was, uh, maybe, maybe talk a little bit about some mentors of yours before you decide to launch in your own and open your own restaurants. Sure. I mean, I, 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 I wish, I mean, I, if I have a lesson for anyone who's listening, who's like early on in their, you know, restaurant, you know, career or their profession is to really embrace, you know, mentors more than I did myself. I mean, it's easy to look back now and say, you know, that I worked for Thomas Keller and I worked for Danielle Boulou and, you know, that they were mentors to me. But, you know, I didn't, you know, take um, advantage of, you know, that sort of mentorship. So, I mean, I guess those are the names that I would throw out there to say, like, they definitely inspired me. But I think to have a proper sort of mentor-protege relationship, it's got to go, it's got to go both ways. So I don't know if those chefs would, would, would consider me a protege, but I certainly learned from, you know, some really, really great chefs and uh, learned a lot of different things. I think when I'm talking about those two great three Michelin star chefs, you know, it's, it wasn't necessarily the recipes uh, that I learned, but from a chef like Thomas Keller, it was, you know, sort of the military aspect of being organized and prepared. Uh, from Danielle Ballou, it was you know, what true hospitality is and connecting to the guests and being not only the mayor of the kitchen, but the dining room. So uh, I should be a politician. I don't even know if I'm answering your question, uh, but I am, <laughs> you are. I, am, I am talking. No, you are. I mean, there's there's so much to talk about with you. I mean, we could we, uh, maybe we'll jump a little into to Top Chef because I'm wondering in this when you're cooking, you're working for these amazing chefs and and did you did you ever foresee TV in your future and becoming? Uh, I mean, you're you're very well known. You've you've now you've now done so much TV. But the first steps into getting onto Top Chef was that. How did that come about? 
Yeah, you know, I don't think when I started, uh, you know, cooking professionally that I had, you know, there was really no food TV. I mean, I'm dating myself a little bit, but um, even when I went to culinary school, it was, I think I went to culinary school in like the first year of Food Network, um, when it was like David Rosengarten and the two hot tamales, and that was it. And then it was just face to black for the rest of the 20 hours. Yeah, I think Um, we're around, probably around the same age generation, so I can relate. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, it wasn't that. I mean, for me, food TV was Julia Child and, you know, the galloping gourmet and that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, my, 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 my stepdad, my dad that I grew up with um, is sort of in the television industry as an editor and, and, and produced a couple of things. And, you know, uh, so I was kind of all, always around sort of the idea of film or television, but it was never something that I thought would sort of, uh, you know, interact with cooking at all. And Top Chef just was an absolute accident. Um, you know, someone called up and said, we're, you know, casting for this show, Top Chef, would you be interested? Uh, I had a massive ego at the time. I still have a baby ego, but um, I thought they were looking for a judge. I said, sure, I've never heard of this show, but I'll be interested in judging it. They were like, no, to compete. Uh, and, you know, I sort of had a, you know, a couple days of like, checking myself mentally, you know, because I had to put my ego in check and say, Hey, I'm going to go on the show that I really wasn't familiar with and compete. And I could really embarrass myself. Uh, but I figured it would be a good test. Um, and I'm glad I did it. It taught me a lot about myself and, 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 you know, obviously the trials and tribulations of competing in front of millions of people, uh, definitely, I think made me a better person. Yeah. Well, I really, I mean, you did, you did incredible. I, I loved watching you on the compete and um, what when they called this is when you were in atlanta or did they seek yeah, you I'm out in, I'm or in atlanta okay. at like a, a, a sort of a restaurant that didn't even exist for very long but you know i i make this story up because i think what happened was that restaurant got a review that weekend top chef casting happened to be in atlanta i'm on the cover of the food section you know blasting a tomato with liquid nitrogen someone you know casting directors having coffee somewhere at a hotel and was like, oh, we should probably just call this guy. Um, that might be exciting. Uh, and uh, so began sort of me being, uh, you know, tied in and perhaps even pigeonholed as the molecular gastronomist or one of them of, of the Top Chef franchise. Yeah, well, you did. There was a lot of, uh, I mean, that's very cool. And there was a liquid nitro- nitrogen and, and ex- experimental, I don't know, sort of cooking happening on TV. A lot of people hadn't seen before. It's interesting, though, that I think because looking at the restaurants you've 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 worked with and from the past and and the your current restaurants uh, like fast casual fried chicken spot crack shack is in my opinion, or any opinion, it's, it's definitely not molecular gastronomy. Um, so, so how would you define your, your cuisine or your style? And I guess it's, has it evolved over the years? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I never really identified as a molecular gastronomist. So that's, you know, sort of, you know, whether it's a jazz musician or, you know, a rocker or, you know, someone who's in the the hip hop world, you know, I'm a hip hop kid from the nineties in New York. And, you know, it always bothered me when they called hip-hop rap music. Um, and I think that that's sort of a, that, that's similar with molecular gastronomy, you know. It's, uh, you know, it's really just the science or study of how to make food more delicious, uh, whether that's creative cooking or modern cooking. I never was a big fan of the title. So, I mean, my food has just always been American, which, you know, means it's globally influenced and locally sourced. And none of that's really changed. Um, and, you know, of course, a, a restaurant like Crack Shack, which is fried chicken mostly and chicken sandwiches, you know, there, it's, it's easy to think that it's not a, you know, uh, a, a science-based sort of experience. But, you know, behind the scenes, there's a lot of science that goes into the percentage of salinity in a chicken brine and how long that time is. It's not the exciting stuff like liquid nitrogen or spherification or foams or whatever you have it, but there's definitely a lot of uh, modern cuisine that goes into even something as humble as a chicken sandwich or a hamburger. Right. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's true. So, um, yeah, there's, there's, uh, uh, with, with Top Chef then as, as being a competitor and then you went back and you won the all-stars and then you've become a regular as a, as a judge. I mean, how, how did that transition come about? Cause I feel 
is that something you 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 saw well I want to be on the other side or did they reach out to you because you know it's been interesting to see with all the seasons of Top Chef what the contestants the the people who've won or the people who who ne- not necessarily came in first place um how they've how their careers have grown and how they they've taken off and and so yours certainly took off from that experience but like did were you seeking to do more TV? Like, did you just find a joy in in being on camera? Um, yeah, um, I mean, I definitely fell in love with. I mean, I've always been a student, you know. I mean, I think like if you really start distilling or boiling down, you know, what I'm all about, it's it's always about trying to learn new things and you know trying to push myself into a position where you know five, ten, fifteen, twenty years ago I never thought I'd be. So. Um, definitely once you go on television and you compete, uh, you start seeing what that world looks like and you realize, okay, well, I, and now I've competed, you know, I think I could judge because I, I know what good food tastes like. Um, and you kind of just throw that into the world. I don't know if I necessarily went out to, you know, pursue judging or then hosting television shows, but it was definitely, I was, I was obsessed with the process of making television and really, I think there's a lot of similarity between like the restaurant industry and, you know, the television film industry, how much, how many hours go into, you know, producing a television show versus running a restaurant. As an example, the similar sort of uh, cultural aspect to it, you know, you don't wear a, 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 a suit and tie to work, um, the camaraderie of it, the everyday aspect of, of all of these things. So uh, I definitely fell in love with, uh, you know, cooking on television. Uh, and I think a lot of that just came about because, you know, you go on a show like Top Chef and then all of a sudden you have people who are fans. And that's like an incredible responsibility. Um, and to know that you can impact, you know, one person's life by cooking uh, a steak on television, whatever it is, uh, is a big responsibility. So for me, I wanted to continue that. Uh, and I'm, I'm still on that grind. I don't know if I'm successful. You, you've, you said that, but uh, I'm still trying to figure it out and, and you know, now that I've hosted and, and judged television shows, like now my next step is I'd love to create one. Uh, and that's sort of like what 2018 is looking like for Richard Blaze. Like, hey, can I push this all the way? And, you know, could I, could I make a television show that I'd, I'd really be proud of, not to only just be on, but, you know, to watch? Oh, wow. Cool. That sounds exciting. I mean, you're, you, certainly, you certainly have ideas and you make stuff happen. I mean, with everything you've I just in your the brief bio I read there's so many titles you have and I want to I want to talk more about your book and also your podcast so um we're going to take a little break and then uh come back and talk more with Richard so stay with us this is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network Come for the food, stay for the friends. Fine Diners Over 40 is a members-only dinner club for singles and couples who enjoy dining at highly rated restaurants and sharing the experience with others. Fine Diners Over 40 appreciate food as art, as cultural adventure, as scientific experiment, and best of all, food as an opportunity to take pleasure in the company of others. Join them for culinary and social adventures in New York and Seattle. Food may be the main attraction at Fine Diners Over 40 events, but it is the friendly and interesting members who carry the day. Join them for an evening of fine dining, fun, and stimulating conversation. While enjoying innovative tasting menus by first-rate chefs, you'll talk movies, theater, pets, sports, travel, and more. Epicurus said it best. We should look for someone to eat and drink with before looking for something to eat and drink. Learn more at finedinersover40.com. That's finedinersover40.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Richard Blaze. He's probably best known from Bravo's Top Chef All-Stars as the winner of that competition. And he's, he's on TV a lot, uh, which is pretty cool. And he has a new book that came out called So Good. So, Richard, 
this was your second book. Uh, what what inspired you to to write write this this one, and um, what's what's the premise behind the recipes? Um, yeah, so so good is uh, you know basically inspired by you know some of the restaurant cooking that I've been doing over the last couple of years since I moved out here to the West Coast in California. Uh, but it's it's also the it's 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 the food that I'm cooking at home with my wife and kids. Um, but but you know, the everyday sort of food. So it, it's a lot of classic dishes with a little bit of a, a spin or twist, but the type of food that you can come home and, you know, just get a couple of ingredients from the grocery store and cook, you know, within a couple of hours. That's, to me, the most important part of this book was to have it be something that was applicable, especially because, like you mentioned earlier, a lot of people associate me with liquid nitrogen or sous vide cookery or anything like that. Um, this is about how to make a great goulash at home. And if you happen to have duck legs laying around, you know, how to make it, you know, with duck, duck confit instead of uh, beef, as an example. Um, I hope I did. A, I hope I did the book justice. It's, I'm incredibly proud of it. it. It's a delicious cookbook. Yeah, no, I think I, I think you did. And I saw um, your, your photographer, you worked with Evan Sung, who's fantastic. And he came on my show not too long ago. So it's, you know, not only great recipes, but great photography. So... Um, yeah, I, Evan's a, a special talent, and it's one of those people, like, I'm just lucky, you know, to be on this podcast with you and to have these opportunities and to have even someone like Evan Sung, you know, interested in, you know, shooting my food. Um, you know, I, it's, I'm a lucky boy, um, you know, to be in that situation. Evan is an incredible talent, and I'm a little jealous you got him on your uh, <laughs> show before he's come on my podcast, so I'll have to, I'll have to reach out to him tonight. Well, I'm sure he. I'm sure he will. Actually, I think my show was the first, the first radio show he had done, and I had been. I was surprised he hadn't been on another heritage radio show because um, he's amazing and he's here. So I, I feel like, uh, yeah, I, I think this is a good segue into talking about your podcast, and I think he he'd be happy to come on. Um, I tell me about how your podcast came about because I I listened. Uh, it's great. I I picked out uh the episode you did with john and Vinny's, and um and it was it was it was a great listen you're you're i decided today before my show to have a little extra caffeine because i was thinking i had to keep up with you <laughs> <laughs> well you're you're very kind as, as a podcaster now i will have to tell you thank you for listening to one episode but i'd appreciate the free subscription <laughs> on Apple Podcasts and, of course, the five-star rating, if you, if you could be so kind. Well, um, I, I, I'll throw you know, that right part, back at you. How about that? A tri- one for one. I'd be, yeah. Well, like for like. That's what the kids are saying. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah. And, and yes, yeah. I, I, w- I, want, I would like to listen to more. Um, I just got a taste of it so far. Of course. Of course. I, I mean, really, for me, I'm a, I'm a big fan of audio. I'm a big fan of podcasts. Um, a ton of shows on heritage. Um, and it was just a form that at the time, you know, we launched our starving for attention, the podcast in, I think June, late June of last year, there weren't too many, you know, food centric podcasts that were really, you know, there are a lot of really great shows, but you know, I think there's a lot of gravitas out there and we wanted to do something that's a little lighter, uh, that could possibly get some people, um, you know, in our industry about things that aren't just about like their projects or their work and kind of just like how they like to spend Saturdays and what music they listen to. So that was the goal. And honestly, the, the bycatch of that was just to spend more time with my wife, Jasmine Blaze, uh, who co-hosts most of the episodes with me, except when I'm on location sometimes. Uh, and there's really no reason, you know, we, we throw around the, the term passion project a lot, but as you probably know, uh, you're not really doing the show to make a lot of money. Um, no. <laughs> um, or if you are, I'd like to be a part of Heritage. Um, no, that's, uh, it's, I've always called this, this gig of mine. It's, yeah, it's a passion project and, um, it's, it's, I, I get joy out of doing it. Um, if, cer- certainly if, if something else comes or the, um, that would be wonderful. But, um, I think, yeah, I feel like we probably both got in it for the same reasons. Exactly. I really like doing it. And there's no other reason except that I I'd also, you know what, this is a really weird thing, though. It, I'm not very social. I, I really only become very social, you know, when I'm on the mic or, or when I'm in front of a camera or, 
you know, if I'm in the dining room of my restaurants, but it, it kind of forces me to be uh, a little bit better socially and to interact with, you know, people that I really respect and admire. I just, believe it or not, I'm much more of an introvert. And uh, the podcast is another way to sort of help me through some of those uh, personal issues I have. Yeah, no, that's interesting. It's always interesting people who are, you know, out in the spotlight, uh, I don't know, in front of the camera who are more introverts, because I guess maybe when you wouldn't know, um, or you wouldn't guess it. But my, uh, so I have to know, like, how do you manage your time? You have a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, the, you know, the honest answer is, you know, barely, or just, <laughs> <laughs> or, or I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I think last week was the first time I've ever in my career double booked something. I was supposed to be on uh, a television show in New York and a television show in San Francisco. And I totally didn't communicate with my, my team. And, you know, that was a little embarrassing. Uh, so, you know, I'm in a moment where I'm just trying to embrace all of, again, all of these amazing opportunities uh, and, you know, do as much as I can because I just love doing it. You know, like I love being on this show with you right now. I'm sitting in the parking lot in my car. <laughs> wow. Close to Mesa, California. <laughs> yeah, in my... In, in front of one of my restaurants that's in Orange County, I just drove back from doing a radio show in, on, in, at the Santa Monica Farmer's Market in L.A. Um, I just love it. Like, I'm just lucky. And, I, and, you know, like, I think once you start, you know, like you mentioned in your open how you should just be really grateful of what you have. Um, and I think that's not just a great lesson for today. I think that's just a great lesson in, 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 in all of our journeys. Um, so I'm just trying to do as much as I can because I love it. Yeah, no, thank you. And and I'm I'm so grateful to have you on my show. Um and yeah, managing time it's I mean that's it's I was thinking you need to clone yourself, but yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, it it's hard. It I, you know, the the fact of the matter is it becomes really hard you know for uh my family, right? Because you know, we're we're doing all of this um, you know, to 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 get to some place where we don't have to work as hard perhaps. And you know, uh you know, my my, when I say my family, I mean my business partners and my actual family. You know, it, it is tough because you're, you're scrambling around and I'm in different cities all of the time. Um, but, you know, a, again, the, the long-term goal is to, to, to get to a point where maybe we could work a little less. Right. Yeah, so we're going to take another break. But before we do, I have a question from my guest on my last episode, on episode 166, I had on Jim Leahy. He is the owner of Sullivan Street Bakery and co-restaurant. And he wants to know, were you born with that? He's a hero, by the way. He's he, a hero. He is a hero. I, I didn't give him enough of a, a shout out. He's actually, I'm working with him as a full disclosure. He's one of my clients now. And I love him. He's, he's fabulous. Um, so he wants to know, though, were you born with that Tintin style haircut? Or is this something you picked up along the way? You know, I, I'm, I, I, I dated myself earlier, so we all remember, you know, Bart Simpson, when Bart Simpson first, you know, came mm -hmm. on the scene. And I, 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 think it's, I, think, I think my haircut is a little bit Bart Simpson inspired, <laughs> and then I've carved it up and chopped it up over the years in different ways. Um, but I, I, if I had to go back and say, when did it happen? Probably around the time that Bart Simpson started to happen. Okay. Good to know. I was I was wondering if it was with with being on TV. I don't know if I mean I haven't I have not been a reality you know TV contestant, but I always wonder if people go into the shows thinking they need to have a signature style or something that's going to make them stand out. You know, so maybe. Yeah, I, listen. I you know I mean that's an honest and fair question. I think that um, it helps. You know, but yeah. I don't like for me it was never calculated. It was just. I'm a weird looking dude with a weird haircut <laughs> that likes to wear, you know, different style sneakers or shoes. And, uh, it just kind of is part of my personality. I think if you start to try and create that, you know, it, it never really works out in, in, in any sort of art form. Um, but you know, you can tell Jim that I'm more of the no need hairstyle now. It just kind of does its own. It's been doing it for so long. I don't have to overwork the dough, if you know what I mean. It just kind of does its own thing. That that is that is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna take another break here, and we're gonna come back. And we're gonna play my speed round game and talk some industry news. Stay with us. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. 
back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Richard Blaze. It's time for my speed round game. So, Richard, what this is is I name a couple things and you pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. Are you ready? Chocolate. Chocolate. Done. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Here. I answered the sample question. Sorry. No, that's good. That's good. Um, okay. Because now I know you're really ready. <laughs> yes. Do I, do I get points for answering faster? Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> You'll see if you get stuck. I, you're fast. I don't know. We'll see. Let's see how you do. Okay. Here we okay. go. Eat in or eat out? Oh, this is going to be eat in because I told you I'm an introvert, so I'm all about that room service when I'm traveling uh, and or cooking my own meal. So, so eat in, which is weird for a restaurateur to probably say. Actually, there's been a few chefs and people. Yeah, uh, eating is probably more pop, more popular than we'd have thought. I'm an eat out, but I'm not. I'm not playing the game. So, but, yeah, I, but there you're you a have one. Influencer, you gotta be. You <laughs> have to be out and about. You know that's your your job. Okay, cool. Then I guess it's the right fit for me. Okay, how about wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Oh, I'm gonna say mocktail. So uh, I I really. Unless I'm tasting, I, I, I don't really drink alcohol unless I'm literally sort of tasting or working on a project that, you know, involves a recipe. Uh, so I'm a mocktail guy, but I'm a, I'm a masculine mocktail guy, which means like, uh, like I like sort of like, you know, deeper, dark flavors. Uh, and I love bubbles. I'm giving you big answers here. I love carbonation, but I'm a mocktail with carbonation and maybe a splash of bitters. Fabulous. How about tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte, which is probably going to be controversial for me, but I have long ago, uh, you know, uh, stopped, you know, really sort of focusing on long tasting menus. And this is from someone who at one point had a 31 course, you know, tasting menu on one of his restaurants. A la carte. I like to choose what I'm going to eat. I think it's easier for the guests. And, you know, who's got four hours to sit at dinner, maybe once or twice a year? Uh, A la carte. Yeah, I'm thinking you certainly don't have four hours. <laughs> <laughs> How about small plates or large plates? Ooh, that's a real tough one because I, I, I actually, that's a, a, I almost want to say I would do either. Um, it depends how I'm feeling. At the moment, I'm pretty hungry because I'm trying to get lean. So I'm going to say larger plates. There's just still something that's amazing about a 40-ounce dry-aged ribeye. Uh, and, you know, that, that sometimes is a little bit more exciting than half of a scallop on a plate. Okay. How about communal table or chef's counter? Ooh, uh, neither, because I, I, do I have to answer? I'm an intro. Like, yeah, I don't want to have to interact with the kitchen because that's a little awkward sometimes, and I don't really want to say hi to someone I've never met before at a table. So okay. I'm more of a corner table in the, in the room sort of guy. Okie dokie. <laughs> I'm, I'm, Neither. Obviously, obviously, I'd be a horrible date. So I'm, I'm, you know. Hey, you're 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 allowed to have your corner table with with your wife in the corner and not not talk to anyone. And if, if okay, that's, like, like I yeah. prefer is I like to eat out back, right? Like that's yeah. the way that's the way you got to do it. Okay, I have a. I don't know. We're about halfway. How about tipping? <laughs> tip tipping or all inclusive charge? Oh yeah, I kind of a throwback. I think I like I like the uh, I like the I like the in- all inclusive charges, and then you add on a little tip. How about that? <laughs> that's that's excellent. Competing on reality TV or judging? Oh, easy judging, right? I mean, it's a little easier to just eat delicious food or not and talk about it uh, than it is to sort of compete and put your heart and soul out there. Yeah, I imagine. Okay, a few more. Writing books or hosting podcasts? Oh, well, I would love to sell a book this year. So uh, <laughs> I want to say writing books, but the truth is hosting podcasts. So <laughs> it's a little easier, it's, it's, and it, it, it's, it's, it's a little bit more organic, perhaps. Okay. Cheese plate or dessert? Man, as much as like I'd love to say cheese plate, I'm going to have to say dessert. I mean, I like dessert, uh, and, and really, like, that's, that's a proper, you know, restaurant meal. It's going to be dessert. Okay. Last one, Manhattan, Brooklyn, or San Diego? 
or Atlanta or oh, any city you've, oh, you've yeah. lived and worked in, let, we could let's say. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, all of those are really, really cool places. Uh, wow. Yeah, I got to answer one of those. This is like... Uh, I'm you not know, trying to torture I, you. As a Long Islander, <laughs> Queens is in in the mix. Um, yeah, I'm. 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 Yeah, I, I. I'm selfishly doing where I live and where Heritage Radio yeah. Studios are. So, <laughs> listen, I'm gonna. I'm gonna jump on the bandwagon. There's just always something incredibly cool about saying saying Brooklyn. I'm. I'm gonna say Brooklyn. You're Brooklyn. in Brooklyn right now. Yes. Uh, I'm. A, I'm just a New Yorker, but we're, we're all a little Brooklyn, aren't we? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the game. It was. It's very. It was very interesting hearing your your resp- your your reasoning behind things, which is you know. Yeah, I know. Usually that wasn't part of the game, but I threw that in. I I, I made my answers a little shorter as we were going because I got the sense you were like, "Wow, he's kind of taking this to be a five minute segment per question." No. Well, no. It's all. It's all good. Everyone. Everyone plays it a little different. Some people are just straight to the answer, and some people give explanations for things. And I. I love hearing the explanations, um, but yeah, it does it does eat up time a little bit. So, <laughs> no worries, no worries. but it's good. No, th- uh, no, I really did enjoy hearing what your your reasonings. Um, so, for industry news, I think this is a fun article to talk to you about. So, uh, the one I picked out on Grub Street, the title is "Thank You Salt Bay." the The viral sensation arrives in New York and sprinkles some digital fairy dust on our critics' Instagram feed by Adam Platt. So anyone who's living in New York in the restaurant industry now has probably seen all of the press that's come out on this restaurant. It's called Nooser at Steakhouse. And it's, it's from this phenomenon. Salt Bay is his name, the chef. And he's, he's, a, he's just well, became super famous on social media, mostly from, well, from doing his like, I don't know, he puts up his arm, he kind of does a little salt throw on on the steak and uh it's like the reason to go to the restaurant apparently and all the critics have have gone in this week to just talk about it pete wells went in from new york times kate crater's been in steve cuzo so um what 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 do you take of all this as someone who's a chef and restaurateur Uh, well i mean first of all uh I mean, I, I am, am wearing right now a deep V-neck T-shirt and sunglasses. And, and black. black. Like there's, yeah. It, it, uh, it obvious, uh, Salt Bay has obviously influenced me <laughs> uh, to, in, to many degrees. Listen, I think he's amazing, to be honest. I mean, you can, I think, you know, we, we, let's not forget that, you know, he's a restaurateur, I, I believe, uh, started in Turkey, right? And has places mm-hmm. I think in Dubai, and I think he's an outstanding butcher. Um, for anyone who's hating on Salt Bay, also just try to do the Salt Bay salt sprinkle. It's an incredibly difficult position to get your arm into. <laughs> I say that as someone who's obviously tried to salt blaze uh, a few times. Um, I, listen, I, I'm in. I'm all in. He's sort of the pit bull. Uh, of, uh, of, the, of the culinary world <laughs> yeah. right now. I think it's amazing that he's getting all this attention. You kind of knew, you know, when he came to Miami first, I thought that was a really, really good choice. Uh, and you knew when he got to New York, of course, you guys were going to, some people were going to chew him up a little bit. Uh, but I go get yours. You know, my, I think that the world right now, everyone is an individual brand. Everyone has the opportunity uh, with the devices that they have in their hands to really make themselves a success personally. Uh, and I'm all about it. I, I think it's pretty amazing. I haven't eaten the food yet, uh, but I, I, I definitely am going to get there next time I'm up in New York and, uh, or in Miami because uh, I, think it's, he's, I think it's pretty special. For people who hate on Salt Bay, I, ha- I have an issue with those people. Yeah, no, I, I mean, my my friend, the designer Glenn Coben, did the design in the restaurant, and he was telling me about they did the Miami one too, and how how it's it's such a it's impossible to get in. It's so popular, and I mean, I think this article was interesting because Adam Platt, I think, I mean, I don't know how he if he he I don't think he went in to be like to hate on it, but he posted a picture of a bartender who had this martini cocktail balancing on his arm and apparently he posted it on instagram and it, it got 
thousands of, of likes and then it was like re reposted on New York Magazine's Instagram and it, it, I looked at the number on New York Magazine got 57,000 likes from this picture so it's 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 incredible and um, I'm curious to go in and check it out I mean it's in the the old China grill space in Midtown and um yeah, it's been like the big opening restaurant news here. So it's a lot of press, you know, as a publicist looking in, like this guy's this guy's killing it. So yeah, and I think like listen, I've, if you if you've been watching, you know, uh, his page for a while, like a lot of us have, I think it would be something if it was just if you tried to launch it. Going back to the, do you get on reality TV and do you you know create the haircut? You know, like mm-hmm. I think Salt Bay was Salt Bay well before he had millions of followers on Instagram. And that's what makes it authentic. Guy Fieri's authentic. Salt Bay's authentic. And that's what makes these personalities and or their businesses or brands pop. Right. Well said. Plus, have you ever, if you do follow Salt Bay, he's also, like, watch his Instagram stories and watch him do yoga or pull-ups in the morning. I mean, the guy is incredibly fit. I'm more fascinated with how fit he is than how he uh, seasons his steak. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm currently not following him. I guess I, I will add to his follower as a follower and check check it out. He's uh he's like he's like a ninja in the in the kitchen or in the dining room it seems. And now he's wearing black he gloves yeah. because the health department sort of was on him. That you know he's got these black like you know he had to wear gloves, but he has like now the coolest gloves <laughs> ever. Of course he does. It's part of, of his outfit. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's got to be tough. One of the things with a brand like that is eventually, you know, you run out of content, right? So, I mean, I think that that's going to be the real challenge is, you know, at what point does it get old, you know, seeing him, you know, stab a filet mignon that was thrown to him in the butcher shop or, you know, uh, salt a steak or drizzle hot right. butter over a sliced T-bone. The content creation is something that eventually has to get exhausting, I would think. And I'm also thinking he ha- he does he has like a dozen locations around the world like he obviously cannot be at his restaurant all the time going around to every table doing the salt sprinkles so I think that's ah but 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 here's something that uh, was brought to my attention do you just hire a couple of lookalikes I'm being serious here do you I don't know uh, I joked before be- about you cloning yourself so you think he he has right clones? but I. I- <laughs> I don't need it. I, you know, I don't, I, he needs it. He could, you know, listen, you get a, a tight ponytail and some glasses and a, a, a fit person in a deep white V-neck t-shirt. And, you know, you could weekend at weekend at weekend at Bernie's it here with Salt Bay, I think. And, uh, okay. I don't know if I'd hold it against them. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll see if that happens. And on that note, we're going to take one more quick break and then we're going to come back. I'm going to do my solo dining experience and we'll have the final question. So stay with us. This is on the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer, and it's time for my solo dining experience. So this week, it's at Ms. Non. Here's the rundown. The location, 435 West 15th Street in Chelsea Market, New York City. The concept, a global chain known for its Mediterranean stuffed pitas with local twist. The chef, Israeli celebrity chef, Ial Shani. Why did I go? Well, because I like pita and I like new hot openings, and this was one happening in New York City. My experience. So on Monday this week, I went for a late lunch. I arrived around 2.15. It was a good time to go because it was after the, the lunch crunch, and I only had to wait probably about five minutes in line to order, and then my food came out less than 10 minutes later. I was sitting at the counter. There's some counter seating as well as some, I guess, like stadium seating around the space. So what did I get? I had the ribeye minute steak pita with tahini, tomato burger, and pickles, and the original world-famous baby cauliflower, and that is what it's called on the menu. So my take. Okay, now let's talk about this cauliflower. <laughs> it, was, it was probably one of the best heads of cauliflower I've ever had, and I looked how he made, how 
the chef makes it. And it said he boils it in salt water and then massages it with olive oil and it's roasted. And it, it comes out super tender that you can pull it apart or I had a fork and just, you didn't need a knife. You could just eat it right out, you know, eat the cauliflower with the fork and it was delicious, it kind of fell apart. Um, and the chef also claims to be the first person to do this type of dish. I don't, you know, doing the, the cauliflower, which has become extremely popular in, in restaurants, I'd say in the past year, I see it all the time on menus. So it was awesome. I'd say it's a must order. And then this, the steak pita I liked. Um, it was, the steak was a little cold and I don't know, I, I, for myself personally, I would have liked it to be more warmed up, but it was very tasty. The pita was great. It was fresh and fluffy and um, it was a really good meal. So as I said, the ambiance, it's casual. It's in the middle of Chelsea Market, and there's counter seats um, and also some tables in the, the stadium seating. And they were playing a, a lively Israeli soundtrack, and so it had good energy. I'd say it's perfect for a fairly quick bite, solo, or with friends. Interesting tidbit. Chef Shani is self-taught. Uh, his career started in Jerusalem in 1989, and Miznones are now all around the world. Um, they first opened in 2011 in Tel Aviv, but he's also in Paris, Vienna, Melbourne, and now in New York City. So personal fun fact, um, I was thinking back to when I was in Israel in 1990, and I remember having pita there. Um, I'm due for a trip. But also I was with pita. There's another awesome place in Chelsea Mar Market from Michael Solomonoff at Dizengoff. And... Um, He's, which is also Mediterranean Israeli food. So Chelsea Market is definitely your place to go for, for some amazing pita, I would say. Uh, good options. So the cost of my meal, Ms. Known, was $21.50. That's not including tax or gratuity. Would I go back? Yes. And the website, MsKnownNYC.com. So uh, that's, uh, have, you, have you heard of this place, Richard? I have not heard of it, but I'm 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 going to take your recommendation and head there. I'm in that in that part of town uh, frequently, uh, and I just love that you know there's something you know we're we're saying massaged cauliflower. I just think that that's <laughs> yeah that's worth the trip just, just to see that on a menu. It was it was really good, and uh, it lived up to its name. So um, yeah. You can check it out. I love it. And you're right. Hot, hot trend alert. The whole roasted cauliflower. <laughs> definitely a big trend right now. Yeah, it's so interesting how that stuff happens. Like, I don't know, five years ago, I don't think I saw it anywhere. Now it's everywhere. So, okay, it's time for the final question. Next, my next guests are Jonathan Rubenstein. He's the founder and president of Joe Coffee and his sister, Gabrielle Rubenstein Cheong, she is the Vice President and Director of Catering and Customer Relations at Joe Coffee. And Joe Coffee is a family owned coffee roasting company with locations in Manhattan, and they're also in Philly now. So, Richard, can you ask a question for Jonathan and Gabrielle? What, what is what is the question? I'm sorry. Well, you can no. I want. I would like you to ask a question for them. So they're the brother sister team behind Joe Coffee in New York. Um. I don't know if you're familiar. Joe Coffee's, there's, I don't know how, yeah. there's like a dozen locations. You've probably been course, to one. Of course, yeah. I, I have a question. It's going to be a little, it's going to be a little selfish uh, and self-serving perhaps. But, you know, with multiple locations, what is their biggest um, challenge when it comes to growth? At what point do you, you know, do you say we're going to go from one or two shops to a dozen uh, and, and, and what are some of the biggest challenges they see with, with uh, a company's growth? Great question. I will, I will find out. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I like, I'd like to know. So, um, yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned, and we'll see what they have to say. So um, that's the show, and uh, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm, I'm in awe of your career and everything you've done, and Glad that I know you and, and um, wish you much continued success. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me on. I'll come back anytime. And I'm also, uh, besides the fact that we had an awesome time together, I've been sitting in my car with the windows <laughs> up here for an hour. So I think I've lost at least two pounds during the uh, <laughs> podcast up here. So wow. uh, anytime you want to do that, that's always good for my, my personal uh, mental and health here. Well, go get some some. Fresh air, California air. I mean, it's it's kind of I, the weather has to be better out there today than it is in New York. It's like raining, snowing, slushy, cold 
today. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, listen, there's a palm tree in front of me. It's 76 degrees and breezy. Yeah, I figured you were going to say something like that. So, but get out of the car, get some air, and um, thank you. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. Awesome. Can't wait to come back on. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So my guest today has been Richard Blaze. He is a celebrity chef who's best known from Bravo's Top Chef All-Stars, which he won. And uh, you can find him, his website's richardblaze.net, and on social media at Richard Blaze. You can find me on social media at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My website's bayerpublicrelations.com and sherrybayer.com. As a reminder, all of our shows are archived at heritageradionetwork.org. We are also on iTunes and Stitcher. And I would also like to, you know, remind everyone that you can leave us a review. It can just be a star rating or your comments. I would love to hear what you think of the show. Thanks again to Richard. Thanks to his publicist, Meredith, for helping set things up. And thanks always to my engineer, Vitor. I'm Sherry Bayer. Now I'm going traveling a little bit for the next two weeks. So there's a little break on my show. We'll be playing back some of the archived episodes for the next two weeks. But my next live show will be Wednesday, February 28th, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as usual. I hope you'll tune in then. And meanwhile, check the archives. And uh, I hope you'll be well and uh, look forward to seeing you or or connecting with you, I should say, in two weeks. Thanks for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.